These past few weeks, we've been looking at Jesus's teachings in the Gospel according to Matthew, chapters 5 through 7, a section of the Bible known as the Sermon on the Mount. Spending time with the Sermon on the Mount can help us better understand the nature of the Gospel of Jesus Christ and help us see how to be followers of Jesus in today's world. Last week, Kent spoke about Jesus's instructions to his disciples for not practicing piety for self-glorification. Jesus says not to pray in a show-offy way to be seen by others, and Jesus also told them not to pray long-winded and empty prayers because God knows what they need before they ask for it. After telling the disciples how not to pray, Jesus then tells his disciples a prayer that is short and powerful and provides a framework for us to follow when we pray today. The Lord's Prayer gives Jesus' disciples words to say that are purposeful and meaningful. This prayer has become known as the Lord's Prayer and is our scripture reading for today. There are varying versions and translations of the Lord's Prayer. You may have memorized a version of the prayer at some point in your life or have a version that is your favorite translation. In the Bible, there are two versions, one in Matthew and one in Luke. Today, we will hear the one from Matthew as it is embedded in the Sermon on the Mount. We will hear it in the common English translation. As you listen to the prayer, ask yourself two questions. What is the difference between the ways of praying that Jesus criticizes and the way of praying that he is showing his disciples to do? And what does this prayer teach us about what matters to God? Let us listen as the scripture is read. Today's reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, verses 7 through 13, from the Common English Bible Translation. When you pray, don't pour out a flood of empty words as the Gentiles do. They think that by saying many words, they'll be heard. Don't be like them, because your Father knows what you need before you ask. Pray like this. Our Father, who is in heaven, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us the bread we need for today. Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. And don't lead us into temptation but rescue us from the evil one. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Prayer doesn't come naturally to anyone. It's tempting to think that it does because after all, anyone can do it. But in this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus re reminds his disciples that even long-winded and show-offy types spend time in prayer. Jesus doesn't want his followers to pray like the Gentiles and hypocrites, drawing attention to themselves or having empty words pour out of their mouths. Instead, Jesus teaches his followers to pray in a way that focuses the prayer on God and focuses their hearts and minds on the things that matter to God. 
Do you see the difference between the ways of praying that Jesus criticizes and the way of praying he is showing his disciples to do? Jesus is teaching his disciples to turn the focus in their prayers away from themselves and put the focus on to God. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, the German theologian, anti-Nazi dissident, and truly courageous Christian, said that it's a dangerous error to think that the heart prays by itself. He says, prayer does not mean simply to pour out one's heart. It means rather to find a way to God, which doesn't come naturally and cannot be done alone. The richness of the word of God ought to determine our prayer, not poverty of our heart. So when Jesus, when teaching his disciples to the prayer, Jesus says, pray like this. And when we pray this prayer, we, as Bonhoeffer says, draw on the richness of the word of God to help us pray. Another writer, the writer of the most recent and relevant commentary on the Lord's Prayer that I read, says this, Praying the Lord's Prayer disciplines our conversations with God so that we might learn to care about what God cares about, seeking first the kingdom of heaven, rather than help propping up our bogus realms and false means of salvation. I'll say that one more time. Praying the Lord's Prayer disciplines our conversations with God so that we might learn to care about what God cares about, seeking first the kingdom of heaven, rather than help propping up our bogus realms and false means of salvation. Does that make sense? Well, let's break it down. Praying the Lord's Prayer disciplines us. It teaches us to learn to care about what God cares about. When we are left to our own devices, we tend to confuse what we want with what God wants. In the Lord's Prayer, Jesus has given us the perfect words to guide us to understand what is important to God. So let's take a look at the prayer. First, our Father hour. Even if we're praying alone, the word hour reminds us that we are in community with God and other people. Though we have a personal relationship with God, it is not a private relationship. Our lives are tethered together in community with other people who God cares about. When we pray hour, it should shake us out of any self-centeredness and self-interest. Father. Jesus starts with addressing God by one of the attributes of God. The mystery of God is beyond our comprehension, and the Bible gives us varied and rich metaphors for what God is like and who God is. Creator, covenant maker, comforter, liberator, judge, redeemer, midwife, mother, shepherd, sovereign, bearer, begetter, rock, wellspring, fire, light, eagle, hen, and lion. The Gospels show us how Jesus used and adapted all of these metaphors when speaking to and about God. And in this case, Jesus uses the intimate term of Father, which draws on the relationship between God and the ones who are praying.
God is like a loving parent who cares for their children. And we turn to God in prayer within the context of that relationship. Who is in heaven? God's realm is not our realm. Sometimes humans get God and country twisted together and think that God favors their particular nation or people, but that's simply not true. God doesn't live within any national borders. God is bigger than all of us. Uphold the holiness of your name. Mentioning heaven and then holiness highlights the disparity between who we are and who God is. God is holy other, and we are not God. Bring in your kingdom so that your will is done on earth as it's done in heaven. Asking God to bring in the kingdom highlights the disparity between how we as people behave together on earth and living with and within creation and how God wants us to be. With this prayer, we are asking God to help us bridge that gap between who we are and who God wants us to be. In saying, your kingdom come, we are pledging our allegiance to God's kingdom above the powers of the world. Our allegiance is to the kingdom of God first and foremost, which brings us back to the community we were praying with and for when we said, our Father. The Bible teaches us that salvation is always communal. Your kingdom come turns us from individual concerns to communal well-being. Give us the bread we need for today. Still a communal prayer. Give us the bread we need for today. God provides us collectively with more than enough sustenance for living. Yet some have plenty and others have very little. Notice we are to pray only for what is sufficient. For communities without enough to eat, this prayer is a heartfelt cry for daily provision. For those with plenty, it is a reminder to be content with enough, to not grasp beyond our needs, and to share what God so bountifully provides with others. Next in the prayer we have, Forgive us for the ways we have wronged you, just as we also forgive those who have wronged us. Other translations say, forgive us our sins or forgive us our debts. With this, we are asking our Creator to forgive us and to help us forgive others. Notice again the prayer is communal, and I've preached about this before. It's a recurring theme in the Bible. We always want to make sin an individual problem, but really it's a collective human problem. Sin affects every aspect of human life and all human beings. Sin infects all our systems, all the ways we organize our lives together. In praying the Lord's Prayer, we're asking to be part of God's restoration of the world. We want to be a part of the coming kingdom by trusting in God's grace and mercy and opening our hearts to reconciliation and restoration with others. Last in the prayer we have, and don't lead us into temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. When Jesus was alone in the wilderness, he was tempted to claim the powers of the world. 
and so we will also be tempted, tempted by the evil of petty power to turn towards ourselves and away from God's command to love our neighbors. Because we are easily tempted, Jesus' prayer helps us to discipline our hearts and minds to seek God's kingdom above all else. One note about prayer. Jesus says, pray like this, not pray only this. To me, this sounds like an invitation to pray the words of the prayer and to also learn from the content and structure of the prayer for times when we want to pray using other words. This prayer teaches us that we can approach God on an intimate level and reminds us that God's realm is beyond us, that God is concerned with the whole of creation, that we should seek to align our will with God's will, and that we participate in the coming kingdom by practicing forgiveness and restoration. When we pray like this, as Jesus says, we answer his call to be courageous Christians because we put the focus first on God and seeking God's kingdom. Jesus knew that we would struggle to find the right words to pray. And in my role as pastor, I pray a lot. I know how much there is a constant temptation to let my own personal needs and desires get in the way of prayer. The natural tendency is to focus on oneself or to wonder if you're just, if you find just the right words, will you get what you're asking for? Or if you're praying for other people or in front of other people to turn it into a performance, to want to say just exactly right, the smartest thing. The good news is that in the Lord's Prayer, Jesus gave us the gift of always having the right words to say, no matter what is happening. How amazing is it that we can say the words that Jesus said? Whenever we pray this prayer, we know that we are drawing on the word of God in a way that guides us deeper towards living out God's will for us, for others, and for all creation. Thanks be to God for this gracious gift of a perfect prayer. Amen.